Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and cosmetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and an aesthetic business mentor. Each episode of IA showcases unfiltered conversations with guests from around the world. In a sometimes disjointed industry, IA aims to help educate and connect our global community to raise the bar for both our businesses and our patients. To further support and educate our listeners, we offer a range of additional resources under our IA Patreon subscription service. This caters for injectors and business owners of all levels and includes interactive live Zoom sessions, webinars, hints and tip videos, private chat groups and exciting future content to come. To subscribe to IA Patreon, head to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon or click the link in our podcast description. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. So we're back again, Jake. It's, uh, it's Wednesday, but slightly earlier than normal that the sun is shining, which is very unusual because normally it's earlier in the morning or it's late at night, but this is a... This is an odd time for us. I, I feel a little bit out of sync. So Rick, we're heavily depending on you to, yes. to drive this one. Yeah. So um, we're we'll oh, again with, our, with our, our friend Rick O'Neill from Look, Touch, Feel all the way over in the UK. It's, it's that time of the week again. It's time for a, a deep digital dive. And I'm, I'm very excited about this, Rick. And... Uh, is it? I've, I've heard it's also Sticky Ricky on your Google business review. Is that is that is that true? That is wholly untrue, and I think you're looking at the wrong profile. Uh, so you need to probably clear. You need to clear out your search history, David. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's so a chapter four. Chapter four of our um, talks with Rick. Uh, first of all, Rick, how have you been? What have you been up to? Um, and actually, we were just talking about a potential book that you're writing. So. Sell it to us. Tell us all about it. Is this like on the chat shows where you set it up for it, a plug? It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. We're, and we expect a bit we of... We set them uh, up. You knock, you knock them down, Rick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, all good. Um, renovations continue on the house. That's That takes up a lot of time. But I've been procrastinating trying to write a book for about four years. Mm. And I finally finished it, I yep. think. Um, so now I'm doing the publishing part layouts making sure it's got loads of cool visuals in it we just took a nice photo on here that's going in um but it's kind of following the theme of all the workshops and talks i've been doing um called black belt digital so that's the name of the book black belt digital and it's for aesthetics um in in reality the the principles and strategies kind of apply to most small businesses but it's written very much for the medical aesthetics world I've tried to make it international as well um, with what I, with what I know about various markets, um, but it's everything everything you can imagine to do with digital marketing, data segmentation, finding your right customer, scaling a business through having a strong online pr- footprint. Yeah, are, are you going to turn it into an audio book for the numpties like me? Yeah, are, yeah, are you, I'm going to get Stephen right. Fry to do it. Oh, great. <laughs> Love Stephen Fry. Well, it's a good point. You know, we, we, yeah. We've done podcasts and, and I was speaking to Rick earlier offline and we give a lot of amazing information away, but in an audio form. And some people just can't action that. They, they listen to it and then it's gone. And, and I'm mm. probably one of those people, to be honest. Whereas if I can see it and flip back to it and, and see a diagram, I'm much more likely mm. to act on it. So it's good. I'm hoping so. So every... I've, I've made sure every chapter throughout the whole thing has 
diagrams that explain things and then a checklist of tasks at the end of each chapter. So it's kind of a, you follow along and it's pretty much in chronological or kind of scale order from when you might be first getting started to when you can really scale through different locations, et cetera. Mm. And when's it going to be out and where's it going to be sold and how much is it going to be? When can I get one? And how much commission do I get when I sell it on the podcast? <laughs> so many questions. I know. Um, when, when's it going to be out? I've set myself a deadline of getting it out in August. Yeah. So it'll be out in August. Mm. Um, how much is it? No idea. Uh, where can you get it from? Probably Amazon. Um, but it's you guys, so I'll just send you one. Oh, David's written a book. You know uh, all about long, the long, process. A long time ago, yeah. About 60,000 words. Uh, was it about 60,000? About that. Yeah, it's back in 2009 through Fairfax Media. It was the layperson's guide to understanding aesthetic procedures as they were in 2009. So well right. and truly antiquated and uh, wrong now, but it was a fun <laughs> myself in a house for 12 months and not leaving. <laughs> it's, it's hard work, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, I, I think mine's at about 57,000 words and I feel yeah. like maybe I need to cut a little bit out. I don't know. Oh, you know what was was when you go to the editing process and you remove all the words that you don't need, like that. I didn't realize mm. how much I used the word that. My editor wrote me a message said the word that is not your friend. Stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I I all the ums and ahs. I probably didn't need to type those, did I? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, yeah. um. So do we need to mention this is a sponsored podcast? We probably do. Yes. So the, well, this is the fourth yeah. of a sponsored podcast. So we've called it the digital deep dive uh there are three other ones that sort of i guess precede this one and so you know like rick said there are certain things that you might want to do in order and potentially the the things that we discuss on this one are the finishing touches the cool stuff uh and the topic of the day is sort of digital automation so how to i guess get your website and systems doing some of the work for you Mm. um i remember in our last one rick uh, which was all about websites and and design and building a website we we did talk about one thing on there which was having maybe a bot to sort of you know take some of your inquiries and stuff so what what do we mean by automation i mean i guess there's so many ways it could be done but yeah what, what do you mean by so at the highest level in my view automation i guess is the use of software of some kind to replace a repetitive task uh, that would normally have been done by a person. So when um, David texts me before the podcast and says, get me a coffee, does that count? That could be automated if it re- happens regularly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you could build in a workflow that once a... Actually, this you could do this. I could do this for you today if you want. I love this stuff. So we could use Zapier, right? And we'd hook... Zoom up to Twilio, which sends out SMS or WhatsApp messages. Yeah. And every time a Zoom is booked, then two hours before that Zoom starts, it texts Jake a coffee order. Oh, no way. There you go. Yes way. Wow. Has, has your wife got this to automate you taking the bins out? <laughs> she No, she enjoys the process far too much to automate it. So <laughs> why she would not want to. Yeah. Why take away that, that feeling of superiority? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I think in, sorry carry, carry on that is the high level thing is if there's something that you're doing more than once regularly then it probably should be automated with the caveat that some things should always be done personally right so um, just because you can automate stuff you shouldn't automate everything 
That's a that's a really good point, isn't it? Because we we sort of moving towards so much automation, the whole sort of I wouldn't say phenomenon, but there's a lot of hype around the almost instantaneous invention of artificial intelligence, which is scaring half the world. I mean, you've got people like Elon Musk and a few others saying we need to stop what we're doing because this could yeah. end up like Terminator 2. And there's obviously huge benefits to to bringing it into your to your business life in terms of just automating, as you said, all the all the, all the tasks, potentially not needing as many staff members. But I, I guess a, a question to you and to Jake, maybe just to think about is, well, at what point do we still need that human interaction and how important is it in particularly in our industry of knowing when when to and when not to and, and how much human touch is, is still needed? Yeah. And, and yeah. shout out to one of our patrons, actually, um, Samantha Shepard. She yes. actually submitted a question oh, saying, uh, you know, is there a danger of losing that that customer service and yeah. associated with your business as a result of automation? Mm. So I'll let you answer that, Rick. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm I'm acutely aware of that, and I we always talk to our clients about before you just dive in because we're going to talk about all the different ways that you can use automation, but not all of it's right for everybody, and not everything just because you can automate like the coffee thing. Yes, it's technically possible to do that actually, but do you want to? Probably not. Um, but the human bit's really important. But sometimes you can combine the two. So, for example, you could automate a message. But the, it will be a video from you talking. So that's more human. Um, and then there's some things that just should not be automated at all. So you wouldn't want a hologram greeting people at the front of the clinic, for example. Maybe you would. Oh, Maybe some. <laughs> Jake's going um, to clone himself to be Jake holograms everywhere. <laughs> can you imagine? Oh, my God. On every street corner. Can you imagine? Yeah. That's a theme park that I don't want to go to. That sounds <laughs> Sloan World. Sloan <laughs> World. Um, yeah. So I think that if you maybe just sit down with a bit of paper to begin with uh, and map out kind of what's the journey that you want your patient to take from before they meet you to when they first book in through the treatment process and then maybe six to 12 months after. This is what we talk to people about doing, just a big piece of paper or whiteboard or something and think along that pathway from there to a year later, what are all the touch points? When do they actually physically come in? When are we communicating with them and which bits of that could and should be automated versus which bits should be personal and in person? I think that's a useful exercise before you go down the kind of the geeky bit of doing workflows and working out which bits you're going to automate. I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed having, I mean, I do a very simple automated thing and it's mainly with some consultation forms or medical history and things like that. People can just easily ignore it very easily. Mm -hmm. It's in their email. It's there. I know it's there. It's sent and they come and they go, oh, yeah, oh. just didn't think it was relevant. Didn't, didn't really apply to me. <laughs> and it seems to be more the majority than the minority who take that attitude. So any hot tips? Because, you know, when you lose that personal touch and you're not physically giving them something or saying something, it's much easier to ignore, isn't it? And, and to be fair, through email, I get too many emails. I'm, I'm, I might miss things or, or just ignore things because we get too many. So there are better ways of doing it as well. Yeah. I mean, this is the phrase they use about software. Software always nearly works. And that, and that's because there's humans involved at one e one end or the other. So sometimes, yeah, they can ignore it. It's like the same when you ask for a Google review. 
on a text it's, oh, yeah. or an email. It's easy to not do that. Um, probably slightly less so with the forms, but you're obviously still getting it. Otherwise, you wouldn't mention it. And there are people that dig their heels in about these things. No, I'm not not going to do that. Um, what can you do? I think email's not always the best channel. There's other channels. So you can now automate, you know, a WhatsApp instead of an email, mm. which is more likely to get picked up because email is kind of saturated and a bit awash with other random stuff that is easy to ignore. Um, but I think it's also just coupling it with a couple of other cut through communications. So this might freak some people out, but you can also, in the same way that I don't know if you knew this, but you can now create music in someone else's voice. Yes. Um, and we've talked about some of the AI tools for podcast editing and stuff like that. Yes. You can use the same tools to automate a phone call and yep. it could sound like it was from you, Jake, but it's personalized. It has variables within the within the script. You look a bit confused, Jake. There was this, a song that came out during the week that was made by AI, which was like The Weeknd and Drake together. And it got, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's everyone's losing their mind. I have no idea. Yeah. 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 So they those guys did not go into a studio to record it, but it does exist and it is their voices. Right. Um, so you you can and could do a similar thing. Uh, again, there's this tool called Twilio that does this. Instead of it being a text message, it's, to, it's a phone call. And at the moment, you can just choose from 40 or 50 different voices that, that sound natural. You can pick dialects, uh, accents, regions within the country, that kind of thing. And it could go, I don't know, how does Jake talk? G'day, mate. Uh, <laughs> it's Jake here. Did you fill out your consent forms? Don't forget. See you tomorrow. Um, so you can do stuff like that and have different types of comms to help. How weird um, would that be as a phone call? Because obviously it's not two-way. It's just me saying something. <laughs> yeah, like it's, like a voice, it's like a voice note, basically. It's not right. much different to a voice note. Interesting. Um, but then, you know, it might be that things like that are just one thing that can't be 100% fail-proof automated and needs just a quick call from your front-of-house team, you know, the morning of. Just check in. You did do your forms, didn't you, Mr. Davis? Um, And have you got any questions about it? Um, I think as time goes on and generations pass on, that people will become more compliant and there'll be less likely to ignore things like that can you just explain twilio again i have heard of it but what 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 i mean i'm sure it does lots of things but just explain the app or, or what it is so it's like a it's a service and you can plug it into lots of different workflows that you're creating and it can send an sms or it can send a whatsapp or it can send a one of these phone calls hmm. um, so you can build a whole workflow of things that happen so one example I make a booking on your website for a consultation and that triggers a series of events. And one of those events could be send a text or make a phone call or send an email or allocate a task to your front of house team Mm. to actually do something in the real world. So Twilio is one of these things that plugs into that. So you add some credits onto it. You create a, a phone, a cell phone number which is for your Twilio account, and then it can distribute messages for you automatically. So, and maybe this is just a, a personal thing for me, but obviously that we well, I feel like most people would be limited by their own CRM system that they're currently using because that's 
where all the patient data is, phone numbers, et cetera. So then these external plugins, if you like, how do you then get them to sort of talk to your current system so it all works seamlessly without you having to copy and paste new phone numbers each week or, or however it works? So my fear about this podcast is it could get too geeky for people. So we will, we, I will answer that, but then let's come right back up and talk about right. the benefits and, and why you should automate. So the way you do that is when you take a booking, you ask for, ask for their cell number yes. and their name, and now you've got enough. You've got inf- the information you need because it's the information you need to automatically send the messages or the texts is pulled from the details you take in the booking. So you don't need to know all of that already about that person so that's how it works and you and you have a, a tool in between and i'm sorry everyone it's geeky it's called zapier and it's a piece of middleware and it can connect any app to any other app to make these workflows happen i have um, not played so, it and once i got it to work and other times i didn't know what the hell i was doing so maybe i need to give you a it's call it's not um so it's kind of partially user-friendly but it's still kind of a developer's tool really um but it doesn't involve actual coding you choose let's because i think you use timely right jake for your booking so you would choose timely as the trigger and then you have an action yes so the trigger was david booked in through your timely for a consultation and the action is use twilio to send a text message And then you can add any number of steps or nested steps to create quite a sophisticated workflow of activity, which is all personalized, goes at the time that you want it to go to the patient, triggered from one event or behavior. Yeah. Mm. Well, Mm. I'll I'll give you an example, because there may be some people who are completely confused Mm. by all of this. So Imly does talk to Zapier, or should I say maybe it's the other way around. So you... Sorry, each time a new patient books in on my Timely, Zapier will uh, link to MailChimp and yeah. add that new person's contact details to my mail list on MailChimp. That's what there I've got go. working reasonably well. I have to say that many people who use Timely or MailChimp moan bitterly that it seems to not work sometimes. I don't know why. It seems to be really random how that does or doesn't work. But that that's one example of, you know, a useful thing, I guess. Yeah. So that is a good example. And even that, if we're going back up to sort of the high level and talk about why would you start automating this one, one of the main benefits is the, the time and hassle that that saves. Yes. Cause even, even just that process, if you were doing that without that automation, that's downloading a spreadsheet, that's copying and pasting emails. It's time wasted for someone or you'd be paying someone to do it more sensibly. But I think the maths in automation is quite compelling. If you think about, if you take, I've done this in pounds, but it, I don't know what the equivalent is. Let's say for argument's sake, you value your time at, at least a hundred pounds an hour. And it could take, if you weren't automating anything, going back and forth to find the time that suits you both that's time on the phone or by text or email or whatever. Sometimes that's multiple times back and forth, then entering it into a system, then automatically sending out consent forms or reminders on the day, sending directions to the place, all of these things. That's, you know, 
got to be two hours, three hours even for a booking. Yep. So all of that goes away. That's that, All of that is saved. So even if you only did, and I know all of you guys listening do way more than this, but even if you only did five bookings a week, right? Five bookings a week, that's £1,500. What's that? $3,000 in Australia saved of your notional time value. Yeah. And a lot of hours, 15 hours a week. If you multiply that up across a year, even on just five bookings a week, that's like £60,000, $120,000 of time saved and probably about 600 hours of manual task time. And that's only on bookings and reminders. And there's loads of other areas where you can apply automation. So what it's about is if it can and should be automated, it's pretty compelling because uh, once you've put in the initial work, you can free up existing team members' time. You can increase your profit margins. You know, there's so many benefits. For me, it's not just a business thing either because we first started introducing automation to, to our own business in the agency probably eight, nine years ago. Um, first, first, it was around reporting and things like that, but then later around communications it saves so much time that it actually gives time back to me as the business owner to be at home or on holiday or spend time with the, the kids or whatever so it's not just a purely business thing it's like a the great uncoupling extracting yourself from certain things in the business and giving yourself more time at home as well well, let's get David on that. So you've worked in multiple mm. clinics. Some maybe did have online booking, some didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was your experience of the clinics who didn't have that? And literally they had to pick up the phone every five minutes and get back to people's emails. And it just becomes, well, I imagine it would become the most nightmare process of just getting Yeah. It. I mean, I, I think at one point I, I calculated that about 30 to 40% of my staff time was on answering the phone. And making wow. bookings or changing people's bookings or following people up who didn't turn up to their bookings. And then even when there was a system that was designed, it didn't work very well. So people got frustrated. They would not be able to book online and in frustration, they'd still call the clinics. So I never actually existed in an environment where this was actually working the way that it should. So I'm slightly <laughs> envious hearing about how far <laughs> this has come and how much hair I might still have if this was, if this was around uh, back then. But yeah, it's an amazing the amount of time that you're, especially if you've got a business that's very sort of customer fo focused, like you're facing the public and do it like a clinic and it's quite busy. The amount of time that you would allocate to just dealing with administrative customers yeah. issues is, is mental. And there's, so there's frustration that you talked about and, and it has got a lot better. It has got a lot better, the, the systems and the, the options. And I don't want to bang on about AI, but introducing that into some parts of this actually does make it a lot better mm. and more personalized um, and a bit more intelligent because basic automation can sometimes look a bit dumb or if it's not triggered at the right point, it just makes you look stupid and you, better, you would have been better off doing it manually. Um, but I think if you think of it from the patient perspective, which we should, it's, it creates more consistency. Mm. Because when, when it's being done by people, it's not consistent and it relies on people remembering to do things at the right time or in a certain way. Whereas here you can spend a bit more time kind of designing the patient experience and 
thinking, how does that feel from their perspective? Talk to them about it, get their feedback on what works for them, what channels of communication, um, and you can kind of perfect it. And once you've got it, it's super consistent. So it's a much better experience. They know what they're getting going forward and they know what to expect and they can kind of fall in line as it were, but that's benefiting them as much as you because they know what's, they know what to do. Right. They know what's expected. Yeah. So um, maybe let's, maybe let's come up to the surface a little bit because you've been, we, we, we dived real deep just then. So maybe let's, let's just come up a little bit and, and sort of rewind this back to the beginning for a lot of people that might be listening, thinking, okay, this all sounds really exciting. This sounds great, but where do I start? So you've got a, a new customer in front of you, a new client, and they're saying, Rick, my business isn't efficient and want to start some automation. Can you just take us through the process of what does this look like? How do you sort of do an assessment and work out where people are at with their, with their, with their businesses, whether they be large or small, whether they be chain clinics or individual little practices or even, you know, multi-practitioner sort of monoliths? I'm sure there's the capacity to improve automation. So where do people get started? Right. So there's, there's probably seven or eight areas where you can find and implement automation so that'll be on the website um the booking process payments uh the reminders and communication um patient records as well and note keeping that area accounting so creating invoicing in the background all that kind of stuff can be automated and then the really cool part is marketing workflows and them being very clever and that does depend on having good data. So we will talk about that part in a bit more detail. But where we would start is just look at what you've got now. So some, m- most people these days have some kind of booking process or system which you're starting with. So the first thing is, does this product or system that you've chosen enable you to scale into more automation or is it not very connected piece of kit that you've started out with some are not some are quite closed some are more open so you can connect them to other things so that would be the first thing to look at and then just go through each of those areas of the patient journey and think is there anything here that's automated if not what can be automated and what should um And we would always start by looking at the website and the booking process because that's where you can get some really quick wins. So some people think we talked a bit about this when we were covering websites and making sure they convert well because in a lot of cases we can see, and I guess it's easier for us because we've looked at thousands of aesthetic clinic websites, you can see pretty quickly where the friction is for someone trying to engage with it and trying to get booked in. And there are certain systems that are kind of better or worse at this creation of friction. Um, but that's where we would start. And if they have got a booking system in place, we'd be looking at, okay, if a thousand people visit your website this month, how many people end up making a booking and how are we going to improve that? Is there a friction point? How do we improve the process? And then if they're getting no shows, there's obvious things you can add, like take a deposit. That pretty much wipes out 90-odd percent of the the no-shows you were getting. Um, but still doing it in a way that you don't reduce conversions. Um, it's a kind of balancing act to get good quality people who will show up um, and kind of 
filter out the poorer quality leads. Um, in terms of engaging people on the website, specifically with automation, booking is one thing. The other thing is kind of guiding people through the website automatically. And that's chatbots, which have got a lot better, a lot better in the last couple of years. Um, and a lot of this to, is to do with AI type of technology. Um, we've been using one called InquiryBot, uh, which I think we may have mentioned before, but it can be trained on what you do and how you do it. And it can answer common questions and it can guide people through the booking process as well. So having one of those coupled with a good booking process is a really good start because if you get those two right, usually, and it doesn't matter if it's a well-established clinic or one just starting out, you can increase conversions and increase results pretty quickly. Um, so that's where we would always start. And then we would go into the other areas around payments and patient notes. And that's when you get into kind of selecting which software system for the practice management is going to suit you best. Yep. Um, some of those do come with their own booking element. Some of them will just connect to a, a standalone booking element. Um, I, I'm not sure, because we're going to be going out in multiple different countries. I don't know how far we go into recommending particular software, but maybe we can just talk to people about what they should be looking for in a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. We can we can cover that in a, in a second, but for me, it starts with the website and the booking process. Right. Yeah, I've got to say, even when I was in the UK doing injecting, and you know, this was like very small scale, and and I worked in multiple different clinics. I was more of a mobile practitioner. Um, just introducing an online booking system without even the CRM and notes and all the rest of it, just the booking system and taking a small deposit was the most transformative thing to even my tiny little cottage business. And obviously, you know, still, you know, got an online booking system with deposits. But if you don't have that, can you just explain to the listeners how important that is? Because there are still some people resistant to either the tech, but more particularly taking a deposit. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of separate things, really. Uh, the deposit thing I've noticed is maybe more of a, um, is it more, I don't know, definitely similar um, issue in the UK in that I think where people have come out of the National Health Service and maybe they've been a GP before or something similar, there's a reluctance to charge for a consultation or to take a deposit. I mean, I'm a mercenary. I'm not a healthcare professional. I think you should charge for consultations. It's not a deposit. You, you pay for it. Um, but do it as a deposit at the very least because the amount of impact that has on reducing no-shows and time wasted is just massive. And you, you, you should work out what kind of revenue you're trying to do this year. Divide that by the hours you work and that's how much one of your hours is worth. And so if someone doesn't show up, that might cost you $1,000. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it's huge, like really important. And and then giving people that separate to the deposit uh, debate, giving people the facility at their convenience to find a time that suits them and to book in for what they require is massive as well because all the back and forth and trying to take time to make a phone call or all that kind of stuff. Yes, okay, there's a small percentage of people that still would prefer to do that. But that is dwindling. It's re it's reducing. 
by far the majority of people these days would prefer the convenience to just do it. And you don't want the hassle, especially if you're on your own. But even if you've got a front of house team or someone that looks after it for you, their time is these days better spent doing other things for you. They could be helping with marketing or communication in other ways, not the basics of what about Tuesday at two? No, I can't do that because I've got my shopping coming. Can you do Thursday at nine? Oh, no, I can't do that. I'm taking granny to uh, waste of time. So just book in when these are the slots. That's it. Uh, or in Jake's case, join my wait list and I'll see you next Christmas. That kind of thing. <laughs> um, but that, having that kind of system in place is mega. It makes such a massive difference. We've got clients that they started their business in lockdown. So they launched and then went straight into lockdown. So they were like, oh God, really depressed. But we used the time with them during lockdown to build processes so that when they came out, they could scale quicker. So we were building all of this automation in, building uh, booking systems, payment facilities, all this kind of stuff. So they never had that legacy problem to overcome. But if you've been going a while and you're used to doing it the old way, it is like seeing the light and meeting your maker almost when you switch to uh, uh, this kind of thing because the difference is massive. And we've got loads and loads of testimonials from people that talk about the difference. Like, oh my God, I've never had so many consults booked in a week. Uh, why, why did I wait so long to do this? You know, I can tell everybody that, but until you've done it, like, like you said, Jake, it, it makes such a massive difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And but, you get constant cash flow or, or a little bit of capital in your bank because it's just dripping in constantly, these little deposits. So, you know, and, and also, you know, the data input, it's all done for you. The patient's doing it for you. Um, that's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. You know, I still, when I do coaching calls or in our digital academy, when any of my guys do coaching calls, one of the questions in the assessment is, are you still using a paper diary? Uh, and if they say, yes, we have this big imaginary red button that we push on our desk and they, they fall through a trap door okay. um, <laughs> because it's crazy to be still doing that and then having to transfer it manually. We were, I won't name any clinics, but there was a, there is a clinic in the UK somewhere, actually really successful, busy, but behind this, it's like a swan underneath the surface the mania and the flapping going on to keep it as it was and it was kind of a family business where the parents who probably should have retired were still doing a lot of this kind of booking stuff and admin and it was crazy but it took actually me to persuade the parents to stop it stop it and and relinquish control uh, of that whole process and over the last sort of three to six months we've replaced a, a lot of things that should have been automated introduced online booking taking deposits automated communications before and after the treatment following up as well so in like three months or four months after a dermal filler treatment it automatically sends some information it says hey did you realize that filler treatments typically last this long uh if you're seeing any signs of uh requirement then book back in and we built all these things in and it has changed their life and their business so those guys that were should have been retired have now retired and the amount of hours and days saved is racking up 
and the amount of upsell and cross-sell that these automated workflows are doing for them is blowing their mind. And it was a relatively straightforward piece of work, just like a one-off project to put the book, booking system in place, build some workflows of communication, and just look at how they've been doing it manually for so long and gradually replace each piece, not in a way that it would overwhelm them, but one at a time. Yeah. Um, and the difference is, is like night and day. Mm. For people that are listening that are probably thinking this is a great idea, but I'm worried about how much like I've already got all this data <laughs> how difficult is it to sort of take someone who's already a fair way down the track and, and transition them across I mean it's obviously ideal to start from the beginning the right way but many people listening have got tons of data all over the place and this might feel very scary and potentially might sound very expensive so what what does it look like for those people so if, I mean if you've literally only ever done it on a phone and a spreadsheet kind of thing then there is a bit of work up front to input all that data, or even worse, if it's on scraps of paper, which I have seen. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there is going to be some admin involved there to get all the data that you have got into some sort of system. Usually, more usually, it's the case that there's some kind of software in use already, whether it's only for the patient records or only for the booking. There's some system or mailing list. And from that point, it's not actually that difficult. And a, and a good kind of support partner can help you with it. If you're moving from one system to another, in my experience, most of them are pretty good at al- enabling you to kind of extract your data from one and import it to another. There's a couple that don't play ball. I'm not going to name names but they make it a bit harder to leave um which i don't think long term is the best strategy leaves a bit of a bad taste um but it's not as scary as people think and it's not actually expensive so if you're going from one system to another the new provider would usually help you with that pro bono if not for a small kind of admin charge to help you transfer your data across um if you're going from scraps of paper into a new system, then really you just need a, a data input person to come and work freelance for a couple of days in the clinic, that kind of thing. If you've got a huge clinic with multiple locations, I doubt you've been doing it all on scraps of paper anyway. So you'll have some sort of system. If you have, get in touch because that would be an incredible turnaround case study for us all to work on. <laughs> um, I'd love to see that. But um, yeah, it's not as bad as people think. It's not crazy expensive. Um, And the good thing about it is you can just do it at your own pace. So you can pick off all these areas that we talked about, website, booking, payments, reminders, records, accounting, marketing, and just go one at a time so that it's not scary for you or confusing for existing patients. Just pick off one process at a time. Because if you have got an established clinic and you've got a lot of repeat patients, the most important thing is to make sure they're comfortable with the the changes. So you introduce just one small thing at a time and you keep them on the journey with you. And I've seen some really good kind of like diary style social content as well that people do because they might have a cohort of, I don't know, 50, 100, couple of hundred clients. And 
they go, so guys, as you know, I'm on the automation journey and the next step is we're going to introduce this. And so you know what's coming. This is how it works. And even do little screenshot recordings of this is how you get booked in. And I think, Jake, you've done similar things. Like this is how it works. This is where you go. Um, that kind of thing really, really helps. So just bring everyone along with you, check that they're happy with how it works, keep them engaged, you know, ask them questions about what works for them, what doesn't. Um, but it it's far more scary to think about what you're missing out on, the time you're wasting, the money you're wasting, not doing it, than it is to just get started. Do you know any CRM systems that are specifically designed for aesthetics? I think there are actually probably more options in the UK. I've, I've seen a couple of them. But what I always find, and, and not knocking timely because I use it, but it, it's never really thought out the way we really want it. It kind of half works. So for example, I'll just sort of take you through my patient journey they book in online or obviously they, they they could book through the website or they can call either way. Uh, once they're booked in, they'll um, get a timed um, pre-treatment checklist. So it might tell them you know where we are, where to park, don't come with makeup, some of the you know things to maybe prepare for socially if they bruise, et cetera. Just like a nice reminder for a newbie who may not know some of these things, what to expect before you come. So that goes out automatically see them on the day and the, depending what they've had, whether it's you know Botox or filler, there are two different forms that go out immediately after the, the timed consultation. So if it's a half an hour Botox consult at 30 minutes, an email goes to them without me thinking, reminding of the aftercare and you know what to expect and all that kind of stuff. Um, so mine's quite simple. And, and actually also before they come, the medical history goes out. Because again, if they do that at home, I can look at it before they come. And if there's any red flags, problems, issues, I can actually contact them and say, hey, uh, we might want to delay this or, you know, not do yeah. it or, or whatever. But at least I know before they come. So yeah. waste of time. So that's just one way of doing it. Can you think of any other, apart from, you know, you said the three or the six month extra follow-up to remind them maybe to book in again. Are there any other yeah that you should so communicate? So your question at the start was, did, did I know any system that's built for aesthetics? Yeah, um, and in Europe, there's a there's a few. Um, there's one that's been around a long time, and if I'm honest, the original version, I think they would agree, got a bit clunky. So they're building version two. That's okay. called Pabu. Yeah, um, right. and I think version two is meant to be really good. Um, there's another one who a friend of mine has built Ascari called Columns. Um, he is an aesthetic doctor. He's got a big clinic in London um, and he wasn't happy with any of the other software existing. So he designed and built his own right. and it is really good. Um, it's it really clean. Um, do you know Ascari? No, I, I have actually heard um, of it, but no, I, I don't know him though. No. Yeah. So have a look. Uh, his clinic in London is called Eskinology, um, but the, the software product's called Columns. It's super clean. It's very, it's, a hundred percent dedicated to busy aesthetic clinics can do multi-locations etc does amazing patient notes you know it will track injection patterns which automatically comes off your stock levels and can do ordering and the whole shebang team scheduling patient bookings all of that to answer the second part of your question which is what else can you do 
other than the basic kind of reminder stuff. Um, a few of the systems, including um, the one I just mentioned, can enable you to write scripts. In, I don't mean prescriptions. I mean kind of workflow scripts. Don't want to confuse the doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, it, for example, you can have the system every morning at 10 past 9 check for, as an example, you can do anything, but as an example, any man over the age of 45 that had a neurotoxin three months ago and automatically send the five or six people that come up that day that hit that anniversary and send them a very personalized, very targeted email. You can build any number of these rules to run every morning. And that system is then this like marketing machine that is getting everybody back in for different reasons at exactly the right time. So that kind of goes a step further than your simple reminders and follow-ups. So so which system is doing that? How are you setting that up? So Columns does that within Columns. the actual system. So it has a, a workflow system. Other systems do similar. Um, or if the system you're using doesn't do that, you can do something very close to that using Zapier that we talked about. Yeah, okay. So if, this, if the software you use does have a connection with Zapier, which a lot do, um, then you can create a similar kind of workflow that will do a, a daily check against a series of conditions or rules and then send out a personalized message, which is doing the same as a couple of people and a spreadsheet and a phone, but you wouldn't need those people and you wouldn't, you'd have a much more consistent system to, to help you scale going forward. Yeah. The, the other thing is about future-proofing what you're doing. So if you do have ambitions to grow, then timely plus a couple of bits might not get you all the way to where you want to be. So it's about thinking, what do I want to do in the future? Am I going to open another location? Am I going to have to rotor a whole team? Uh, do we want to scale quicker than we are? So then do we need a, a, a marketing engine behind it? So therefore we need a, a more sophisticated system. But then if you're running more of a sort of lifestyle business or you're not too bothered about massive scale across different locations, then sometimes simpler is actually better because um, you don't want a sledgehammer to crack a nut, so to speak. If you've only got a relatively small business, you don't want to overcomplicate the processes. Um, so there's a bit of a decision to be made there. But um, systems are getting better. And as the aesthetics market has matured and got, and getting bigger, there's more providers building software that are completely designed for it. Whereas in the past, it was kind of like, oh, there's this tool that's it's really for salons, but we're going to try and make it work. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of those. So there's people using, I think, Avar2 started as yeah. salons um, and other similar tools. Mm. Social media. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people love it, but they don't know how to use it. Um, the reality is it takes a lot of time. A lot of people, especially sort of consulting clients that I talk to and some of the feedback we've had in our in our Patreon groups, and I'm sure Jake's spoken to people as well, is that some people just really struggle <laughs> with finding the time to do it. They don't know what to post. They don't know how regulated regulated posts. Obviously, we've done a whole dedicated 
episode on this in one of our previous chats, which people can go and listen to. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it was one of the digital deep dive series. But how yeah. can automation help with how people interact and utilize their social media more effectively, particularly for those people that are not inclined that way and, and struggle with it? <laughs> not inclined. Yes. I mean, the the obvious way is scheduling of, of content. Um Going forward with AI tools and things, you might even be able to automate the creation of some of the content as well. I mean, I can't say if it will be any good just yet, but you can. <laughs> you can. Um, I've had a play with a few ideas and it, it, it was entertaining for sure. I created some quite funny social posts automatically. Um, I might put a couple out, but I will say at the top, this is what you get with AI right now. Um, but the obvious one is scheduling. So if you're not inclined, my first thing would be delegate that anyway to someone else. Because um, why would you just frustrate yourself doing something? Um, and I'm I'm worried anyway about the return on investment for a business owner or practitioner to be spending too much time doing doing social. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely wasting time consuming other practitioners' social media. Don't oh. be doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. there is a phrase: winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners. Yeah. So don't be don't be consuming everyone else's or your competitors' social content. Get get in there, publish, engage with patients or existing patients for sure, and then and then get back to work. But if if you are creating your own content, then the best way to automate it is use a scheduling tool. Um, there's some good ones. Buffer's a good one. Um, Hootsuite, things like that. Um, there's a cost to them, but it's it saves you a lot of time manually posting things. You can get it to go out at the times when your audience is most active. All of that good stuff. Um, so I would I would go there in terms of automation. The other tool, which I know we probably have to mention, is ChatGPT, uh, which if people haven't played with it yet. The cat's out of the bag. I think it's fine that we talk to people about chat GPT now. Most people will have at least heard of it. Um, and it's pretty good. It's not infallible. Uh, sometimes it does say some weird stuff or scary stuff, but it will automatically produce captions for your social posts. It can write a fairly decent blog article for you. You do need to know how to prompt it and to need to know how to affect what it gives you. Um, but it gives you a big leg up and it saves quite a bit of time. And I think this is the just the new reality of content creation now, because if you're not doing it now, you're at a disadvantage and you're just spending time that you don't need to be writing kind of simple text-based content. Um, going forward again, in the not too distant future, there are already tools that can automatically create short videos, um, voice-based stuff using your own voice. So who knows in the future whether we're even going to be able to tell whether we're looking at Jake on holiday or not. It might just be <laughs> an AI an AI generated avatar of Jake in the Royal Palm and not actually him. Sounds good. Why yeah, not? actually, I have to say, I, I did play with something um, when I was away. There was a, I don't remember the name of the website, but you, you upload, I think, 10 or 15 of your own real headshots, as good as you can get them. 
and then it generates you completely new headshots. It's mad. Yes. Yeah, I saw your your <laughs> album. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, some of them look I mean, like, you, I thought yours was quite generous, if I'm honest. But it is, yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it is clever. It is very clever. Yeah. I mean, you know, little tools like that. Well. I mean, some people just cannot be bothered to do it. I can't be bothered to do another, like a, a photo shot. So if you can get away with two or three quite good AI ones, why, why not? I don't know. It's maybe. interesting, yeah. There's a whole... We get into a whole debate here, don't we, like about filters and yeah. AI avatars and what's real, what's not real. Well, at the end um, of the day, a patient's going to come to your clinic. So if you don't look something similar to what you're putting, <laughs> you're going to get the shock of their life. Well, uh, they turn well, up. They're, they're going to be doing before and afters. This is the avatar, Jay, and this is the guy that I saw in clinic. Look. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll call it uh, <laughs> deep fake Jake. Yeah. <laughs> deep fake, deep Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> or to just go back to the scheduling because I use it for, for yeah. our um, social media Except, and some of mine. Well, we need to do something with our calendar system because we stuffed up the booking with Rick this morning. Yes, and we were. <laughs> we can't organise a something into something. Oh, it's a children's program. I'm not going to say it, but children's. <laughs> well, you know, it's a family hour, family show. There's it's kids family, in the car. Yes, kids in the car. Um, yeah, I use a a, a, a program called Plan. Uh, with a double mm. N, P L A double N, and it, it's pretty good. You, like Rick said, you upload your photos, you write your captions, you can save hashtag lists to, <laughs> to save you thinking up hashtags every time, etc. Um, but I was talking to the social media girl for our clinic. She's new. Her name's I think Jen Rodolfi, and she was at our event last night getting the content because we did an event at our clinic, and she does a nice hybrid thing where effectively you have like a a mapped out month on a spreadsheet and she will put the content there on a, on a shared drive so everyone in the clinic can see it. And as she's building the content, everyone can see it and sort of add to it and edit it. So it's sort of like a nice pseudo social media management versus you've got a bit of control and you can kind of see what's coming and edit and change it as you like. So that's kind of a nice strategy. So if you don't want to right. relinquish the full control, which I certainly don't with mine, um, maybe that's an option to work with with your social media manager. Yeah, my, most um, good ones would do something similar. We, if we're handling social content for people, that's exactly what we do. We've got a Google Sheet that everyone can access and edit and they kind of approve the stuff. Um, always, though, with social content, if you are kind of outsourcing it to anyone, even if they work for you, you've as the lead practitioner or practitioners, you've got to set time aside to be part of the content, as in on screen, I think. So otherwise what you get is pretty bland with the best will and, and intention in the world. If someone else is doing it and you as a practitioner just say, look, just do it. I don't I haven't got time. You can't then complain that what you get is pretty vanilla, because it will be. Um, because it's going to be kind of fairly generic unless you go down the sort of Gary Vaynerchuk route where you have someone follow you around 24-7. What's <laughs> the guy called? I think he's got a guy called D-Rock who follows him around 24-7 uh, and films everything. And it's kind of a 24-7 documentary about him or could be a practitioner. That that would work. But that, again, that's a full-time role. A driving mentor. Jake needs a D-Rock. No, no, no. He needs not. a D-Rock. That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, moving on um the other thing with social media that you know it's just a simple thing but it, it, it's good for communication is you can set up uh, auto reply messages to dms using i think facebook is it business manager is that the app 
Yeah, I get yours every time I text you back. There you go. Then. And then you, have, then you have to jump in and delete it. Yeah, but look, at least for those, <laughs> new, for those new patients who send that first message, they get a bit of generic links and yeah. phone numbers and stuff. So that's, you know. Yeah, no, it, in all seriousness, I think it is useful. And WhatsApp does it now as well. If you switch to a WhatsApp business account, Oh, I have to tell you this about WhatsApp. It's going to be massive. Mm, well, tell us. Exclusive. WhatsApp was exclusive. Well, you, I don't know. It depends what you read. Um, but essentially, they're rolling out the ability to have a, a, list, a business listing on a WhatsApp directory. Hmm. And, and going forward, anybody, members of the public, patients, potential patients, will be able to use WhatsApp like the Yellow Pages and search for businesses in the way that they do on Google. So I'm suggesting that people have a look at this and get ahead of it. And as soon as in your country, it's not available in every country yet, but as soon as in your country, they open up the ability to add a a listing on the WhatsApp directory, you should do it. Because as soon as people figure out that they don't need to leave WhatsApp to find their nearest whatever, clinic, shop, restaurant, that's where they're going to do it. Um, and if you've got a WhatsApp business profile and a directory, you'll be ahead of the game because you can kind of engage people mm. instantly. You'll be able to integrate your booking and deposit payment taking inside WhatsApp. So WhatsApp's going to become much more a channel for commerce. And I think it applies very definitely to aesthetic clinics. That's a good point. I've always wondered what is the difference between a personal and a business WhatsApp um, account? Yeah, so the main differences are if you've got a WhatsApp business account, you can create an umbrella account for an organization and then have members of staff attached to it. Or if it's just you, uh, the biggest difference is you can have a kind of catalog attached to it. Your profile becomes more of a kind of almost like your Instagram bio page. You can save auto replies. Um, it, it tells the other person that they're talking to a business instead of a person. Um, you can connect it to other systems. So as we're talking about automation, you would need a WhatsApp business profile to do some of the automated workflows we talked about at the top of the, the chat. Um, so it's, it's definitely worth having um, anyway. Um, there, I don't know for sure and I definitely don't know in different countries, but there are some rules in some markets about, you know, personal communication with patients and familiarity and all this kind of stuff. So probably having a WhatsApp business account is some help in that area. Um, so I would, I would always recommend it. Um, you can export the data from it as well. So you can archive things and export media from WhatsApp chats. You can also if you use a if you use a laptop, you can use the desktop version of it as well, which is quite useful. Yeah, I was wondering. You probably don't know the answer. So, if you had two phone numbers on one phone, could you dedicate? You know, could you split your WhatsApp personal and business on the same phone? Uh, yeah, you you tend to need to have separate phones, um, separate lines. So, when you create your WhatsApp for business, you have to kind of assign a number to it. So I, I went, when I changed, from personal to business on the same number. Um, if you've got an organization with multiple staff, you create the overall account and then you assign everybody's work number to it. It's best to do it that way because if people leave or 
whatever, and they've tied up their personal number in it, it's going to get messy. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, do it the old-fashioned way. Have a work line and a personal line. Um, but that whole directory thing, I think, is going to be huge. Um, it'll be a new a new way for people to search. And you'll be able to do the whole thing inside WhatsApp. So they're introducing payments inside WhatsApp and everything. I've, I've just been in Dubai, obviously, and there's an app called Kareem, which is a bit like Uber. But within there, there's a it's amazing. You can get someone to pick up your laundry and press it and deliver it back. You can order. I was on WhatsApp to the pharmacy, trying well, not trying, actually getting antibiotics for my son without a script by speaking to the pharmacist on the Kareem app. It was amazing. So yeah. I think that uh, Meta... Uh, would be crazy not to build out WhatsApp and make it a more of an ecosystem rather than just messaging. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think they're behind, if I'm honest. If you think of apps like you have in like Dubai and other places, yeah. um, they're a little bit behind. But <clears throat> once they do it, the the user base for WhatsApp is what, I don't know, a couple of billion people. It's going to be pretty big as, yeah. a, as a rollout um, and it's coming already. So if you're interested in it, just Google WhatsApp business directory and you'll see if it's in your country. Um, so I've got a kind of, I've got a vested interest in that. I think it's going to be a big thing for um, clinics for sure. Business directory. Uh, Australia. Need some uh, elevator music. Um, don't think so yet. No, yeah, we will keep on checking. It's exciting, though. Very exciting. You know what? Was I think really they started in South America to test it out. I think that's what they did. Oh. Okay. Um, I use ultrasound in my practice, or sometimes mm. I don't use it every day. And yesterday, Clarius, who who are the maker of my particular ultrasound, they released an update to their firmware. So now they've incorporated some AI into the the software of the ultrasound. So rather than me mm-hmm. having to you know, look at the screen and hold the probe on the patient and use my non-holding hand to touch the screen and adjust my settings. You can now talk to the iPad and say, you know, increase the gain, turn on the color Doppler, um, magnify, so you can talk to it now rather than having to touch it. And that's actually a really clever and game-changing thing because one of the problems with ultrasound is, you know, sterility with your hands, et cetera, but also just the number of hands you have. Mm. And and yeah, the yeah. Of, of keeping your probe on one spot in a stable position. So that's a really cool use of automation and an AI kind of together. I wonder if it's ever going yeah. to identify an occlusion. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> there it is, right there. Look, the problem, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you speak to Leonie Shelke, who we've had on, she now, her theory is that it's not even a blocked blood vessel, but spasm of some of the... Um, don't want to get this confusing too technical, but spasm of some of the vessels. Right. Rather than an actual blob of filler in a vessel. Right. So but the treatment still, the protocol's still the same. Protocol's still yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. So because a lot of people are going to get into ultrasound. Sorry, Rick, we've hijacked your podcast and we're talking about <laughs> ultrasound. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> um yeah, because it's difficult to read, but it's like learning a language. So if you could have a, an AI yeah. system that actually identified and brought up on the screen, these are problem, these are potential problem areas, focus in here, that's filler, that's bone. Yeah. That's fast. It's not too crazy because even yeah. in hospital, um, you know, radiographers or radiologists, should I say, their job is in danger of kind of disappearing because yeah. now they're just applying algorithms to CT scans, <laughs> which are way more 
like you said, consistent. Yeah. You know, you, if you've got a human, you're 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 sort of hoping that they're awake and they're not on a night shift and they've had their coffee and their beeper hasn't gone off and they're concentrating. Whereas if you've got just a computer just checking thousands of CT scans, that seems mm. way more appropriate. And then obviously, if it flags something up, you can get a human to double check. This is like the the cool and scary thing about AI. And I think only yesterday. I wish I had the guy's name in front of me, but he's like basically the godfather of AI. And he was working at Google, but he's just quit because he's too scared. Oh. Really? He just quit because he's a bit scared. Um, basically, it's running away with itself now because if you've got 10,000 humans and one of those 10,000 people learns something new, that's good for him or her or that person. But if you've got 10,000 AI models and one of them learns something, the other 9,999 instantly also learned that thing. So it's now becoming exponentially, infinitely smarter on a minute-by-minute -minute basis the more we use it. So even in the case of the ultrasound thing, if that gets plugged into an AI model, it's connected to all the others, yes. the other versions or instances of that language model. So it would learn more than 10,000 radiologists could in you know a single second. So it, it, this, that's why it's amazing and terrifying because now we've created something that can easily and, very, and will very quickly be more intelligent than we are. Yeah. So that's why he's scared. And that's why people like Elon Musk and uh, people from Apple have written an open letter saying, probably should stop it for a while and see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, before Arnie has to come back and kill one of us. Yeah. Max Tedmark did a, a podcast with Lex Friedman on that. Very, very, he wrote the book, uh, I think it's called I. He, did, he wrote I, Robot, I think, I think he did. No. Okay. It was one of the... He, uh, anyway, I can't remember the name of the book. But he, he was one of the guys that was heavily involved in AI as well. And there's a lot of... He wrote the letter with uh, Elon. And um, yeah. <laughs> I think... So I think... Yeah, for now. <laughs> For now, to bring it back, like it's it's a good thing that this automation exists. And automation is different to AI. I should point that out. It's quite different. How did automation. we get Terminator after talking about consent forms? <laughs> I thought we would go there, to be honest. I saw it going towards Terminator when we start talking about chat GPT. Um, <laughs> but automation, all that is, is just logic and or. If this, then that. Yeah. Uh. In fact, that was the name of the first tool I ever used for automation. It was called If This Then That. Right. And it, it, I think it's still oh, around. Oh, yeah, IFFT or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, that's what it is. It's saying, if this happens, do this. It's not clever in the way that AI is, but then you can add AI into the process to make automation much smarter. But uh, I think in terms of what a clinic needs, we are a little bit of a way off from the robot armies decapitating everybody. Um, but uh, AI in terms of content creation at the level it is now can be really a useful addition in terms of social captions, articles, or copy for emails or ad campaigns. It's quite good at the creative bit. So you can say, hey, ChatGPT, hope you're well. And always be nice to it, by the way, just in case, because mm -hmm. um, it will remember. Uh, just say how you doing um i've got a i've got a campaign i want to launch about this new integrative treatment that we're doing with i don't know hydrofacial and this skincare brand whatever it is uh can you write me 
a series of emails and social captions for it? And can you give me a few ideas? And can you do it quite humorous? And then can you do me a serious one? And it will just do it in five seconds and you'll have all these options. So it's quite good at that kind of creative bit. Um, but then you can also build it into the the chat bots and things so that it starts to learn the kind of questions people ask when they come to your website and answer the questions. So it's super useful at the moment. Um, but I am in equal measure excited and scared of AI. Mm. There, there's another um, cool thing on an app called Canva. Who use Canva, Rick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know how you describe it. I, I guess you can create imagery for your social media, but also your website, etc. And they've got a new AI tool in there. I think it's called Magic Image. And yeah. you can literally write text like, I would, I don't know, I want to see a, a teddy bear juggling on a cloud um, with tones of the color green or whatever you, you know, make something up and it will produce you a picture of that. Yeah. Uh, but multiple versions as well, not just one. And yeah, there's a few of these now. So Bing have one, don't they? Have you played with the Bing uh, image creator? And and um, there's a couple of others. There's one called Mid Journey as well. Um, so I did one the other day just to test it. And I said, uh, I want to see... Uh, a bald guy with a beard in his mid forties. I mean, I said muscular, so <laughs> sue me. Um, muscular uh, in a taekwondo suit, um, smashing a stack of laptops in a dust cloud, and it did it, and it was really, really good. There was only one little messed up bit. Well, two little messed up bits. One, he was a bit cross-eyed, and <laughs> and two, one of his feet was kind of twisted in a way that it shouldn't be. But the image looked, it was bang on what I asked for, which blows my mind. And it, and you can now do similar things with video. So you could say, do me a 60-second video about the benefits of SPF uh, for skincare and longevity and whatever. And it makes you include these points and set it on a beach and it would create something. There's tools that can do that already. Yeah. Um, and they're all... As I said earlier, like it always nearly works. So they're all about 90% good. And then there's usually 10% something stupid about it. Um, like someone will have an upside down hand or a, a missing something. Um, but it's very, very close. So it won't be long before you can automate more of this stuff. And then the question will be, should you? And to what percent ratio should your stuff be artificial mm. versus real? Um, it's going to come a blurry line soon. Yeah. Yes. Making this back more relevant for injectors who are probably thinking, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> um, you need to automate this podcast. It's failed. Yeah. yeah. Um, marketing. I know we've probably covered marketing a little bit, but th- there's this sort of thing of funnels and, and you mentioned sort of triggers and, you know, if, if a customer does this, this, they get this email and so on. And, I know that you can do that through MailChimp. MailChimp is one of the most popular, I guess, mass emailing systems around. I, I use it infrequently because I find it impossibly difficult to use. I just don't like it. So one of the questions we had from uh, one of our listeners was, are there any alternatives to MailChimp or, or good alternatives, should I say? And also just yeah. generally, how, how do you best use these things and do you need a tech brain to sort of set all this up 
Uh, not really, no. Um, so most of it's drag and drop. The the best alternative to Mailchimp, I think, is Campaign Monitor. Okay, not um, you should like that one. It's Aussie. Okay, um, check them out. Aussie product, been around years. Really, really good. We use it for all of our clients. Um, I find it easier to navigate than Mailchimp. Now, Mailchimp to me has never been that intuitive. Right. Um, campaign monitor you can build these workflows you can add some simple logic to it um so a really kind of simple example of what you could do is if you take what you're doing already with timely and uh, adding people to a mailing list yeah let's say you didn't have a mailchimp and you had campaign monitor you create a list let's call it dermal filler consultation then you can add a workflow to that list. So you can say, whenever anyone joins this list, I want these things to happen. Yeah. And you can set the time in between, and then you can set a bit of logic later on. Um, so a person gets added to the list because they just booked a dermal filler consultation. Uh, before the treatment, you can do all the stuff you're already doing, you know, the consent forms and the reminders and directions to the clinic, and then the day after stuff. Yeah. Um, but then you can go a step further and you can say, uh, four weeks later, send this useful bit of information. Eight weeks later, send this about this complimentary treatment that we offer. Um, a year later, say, oh my God, Jake, it's your first birthday with my clinic and have balloons and cake in the picture. Um, you can do cool stuff with uh, some of the imagery as well. You can personalize it so the cake could have your name on it in the image. And it happens automatically. Right. Um, so you can build all these flows. If you build flows like this and they are connected to your system, whether it be columns like we mentioned or Pabu or whatever it is, you can check things to determine where you go next in the workflow. Did they book back in for another dermal filler treatment? Yes, go this way. No, go this way. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, because some of these automated things, they, they often don't make sense. For, for particular quirks or let's say you had yeah. an patient and then you're suddenly sending them birthday cards. It's like, whoa, oh, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that is a challenge. Yeah, that is a challenge. Um, <laughs> so that's where you still need humans at the helm because it's like, this person hates us. Let's make sure we remove them from our happy birthday list. Um, yeah. That's not going to go down well. In fact, it might come off sarcastic. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. There is that for sure. Um, I've actually been victim to something like that. I will be honest. So we we got a workflow in our agency, and it's like eighteen months into the workflow. It goes, "Hey, uh, it's got to be time for a coffee." And I did leave someone on that wasn't happy with us, and they got invited for a coffee. And he was like, "Actually, I think you're right. Um, I'd like to come for a coffee." Um, he said, I, "I know this is automated." Um, but time has passed. Let's discuss. And I've got n new things I need help with. So even then, it still worked, but it shouldn't really have gone to that person. <laughs> so that can happen. <laughs> Fair enough. So can we sort of try and summarize this and, and, and get some basics, sort of first steps for people who maybe don't have any of this set up? So um, you mentioned, you know, looking at your website, patient journey, maybe get a piece of paper to write down you know, what, each clinic can be different, obviously, but if you expect your patient to come, 
you know, prepped and know where to park and no makeup and all the rest of it, it might be useful to send something before they come um, yeah. and take it from there, Rick. What, what was the next steps? Yeah, so exactly what you said. Whatever you're doing now that you feel is kind of repetitive or you're sick of ask, answering the same question over and over again or there's a lot of back and forth around bookings, start with the challenges around all of that and then write those down. They're the first things that should be automated. And then it's about just building through the process. So if you can kind of map out what you think and what, if you can talk to a couple of patients, what they think would be a great experience from start to finish, then you can easily start to replace bits of that journey with automated workflows. So first part is how easy is the website to use? How easy is it to get through to being booked? Take out the friction from that process. Um, there's a nice tool you can add to a website called Crazy Egg, yeah, which gives you, a, I think we mentioned it when we talked about websites, it's worth mentioning again. If your website's been up and running for a while and you're maybe not happy with how many people do inquire through the site or book in or whatever, if you add Crazy Egg, you get video recordings of each visit and you can see where they get stuck or confused. Yes. Um, it's got a really cool little function called Rage Click. <laughs> if, some, if, if someone's done a Rage Click, then you know you've got a problem <laughs> with that part of your, your website. Uh, <laughs> my son uses a similar phrase called Rage Quit when he's video gaming. <laughs> um, so, but it will tell you where are the points of friction on the site and, and in the process. So you can look at that and then remove them. So, and then from there in the, in the booking process, as we talked about, you've got to take some sort of money, I think, at that point to, to reduce no-shows. How does that then take the patient forward through follow-up comms, marketing, et cetera? It's just working through that process, mapping it out literally on a piece of paper and replacing it one for one. Bring your patients with you on that journey as well to make sure they're keeping up with all the changes because you could go straight in and design a mega system but then all your existing patients would be like what's going on like what i just want to just want to get a top up like where, where do i even go um some people have taken the step we've got a few clients now who want apps their own app for their clinic and their patients just have it on their phone you can push notifications to it so they can see when something news in clinic like hey we just bought a hydrofacial machine, whatever, um, click here to book and it's done. Um, but I think always start simple. If you've never done any of this stuff, I wouldn't even go down the full software route to begin with. I'd just get a simple booking tool. Like there's a good one called Calendly, yeah. um, which I use for meetings and things. And it's really, really good. And it's it converts really well because it's super easy for people to just find a day and time you can take a deposit with it as well. And you can have a couple of reminders. So if you're just getting started and you haven't got anything already, I'd start with that. We see clinics that go from nothing to that. And within a few weeks, they're getting bookings that they wouldn't have got before. Um, so start simple, map it out and just layer it up one at a time through bookings, through payments, then into the kind of marketing and follow-up stuff. And then when you want to get really sophisticated and you're kind of scaling, you can add more logic to that. You can add those daily scripts that check for certain types of people. 
then you can start automating your internal processes. So for every treatment sold, an invoice is automatically created and saved in your accounting software, or it gets sent off to your bookkeeper or whatever. You can automate everything if you really want to, um, but keep it simple and start around the patient engagement process. Hmm. And if you get stuck, call Rick and tell them that Jake and David sent you. Yeah. Tell them. Tell them. Preach. <laughs> Well, joking aside, how do we drive people to you? Because, you know, we've done four episodes with you now, Rick, and they've all been excellent in, in their own way. Um, if there's people listening thinking, God, I need to speak to this guy. I need my website done, blah, blah, blah. How do they get in touch with you again? So best thing to do is look for us either on Instagram, which is at look, touch, feel, or come through to the website, ltf.digital. And through both of those routes, there's a diagnostic. That's where you start because we want to know a bit about you before we talk to you so we can go and look at your stuff. Um, and then where we start with everybody is we do a, a coaching call and we write an action plan. And that might include automation or it might be you've got some other problem that nobody comes to your website yet. So you might need help with search optimizing and maybe a redesign, things like that. So we would look and see because everybody always asks us the same question. How do I get more followers on Instagram? But it's always the wrong question. We've, we've, if we get the diagnostic done, we'll see, oh, actually, your problem's way over here. Um, and we'll make that recommendation and write a plan for people. And then a good amount of people then go on to look at the plan, say it looks lovely, but ask us to do it, please. Um, and that happens quite a lot. And, and shout out to some of the Aussies that have already come on board um, hey. as a result of being on these podcasts, so, which is great. Um, and we just, we, we get up a bit earlier. They stay in the clinic an hour or two later and we have our review sessions and uh, yeah, we're getting some amazing feedback and doing some really cool stuff with, with some Aussies uh, already. And then obviously your podcast is international. So I quite often hear from people who've, listen to these episodes and, and have questions and want to want to engage from all over the place. America, UK, Europe. Pretty yep. cool. Thanks, Rick. Excellent. I'm kind of sad. Are we going to do any more? Are you going to pay us more money and, <laughs> and do more sponsored episodes? <laughs> no, probably not. You've <laughs> <laughs> already got enough clients now. No, just, I'm just trying to think, is there anything that we haven't tapped into that maybe for the future we, we could get you back? I'm just... we just go back to the beginning again because like we said, like we, we can keep talking about it, but people still have questions. People may have been interested but not implemented it yet. Um, I feel like one of the next steps with, with us three is to do something a bit more workshoppy yes. uh, on a, on a webinar style format or something like that. So, yeah. if um, if you think there's an interest for that, we can set something like that up. All right, patrons, if you want to hear from Rick and do a webinar, a business live, yeah, let's do it. Hit us up, text us, message us, whatever. We will we will make it happen. We will, we will bring Rick to you. And if it doesn't happen, you'll we'll know, automate it. We'll you, automate you'll the process. You very popular, Rick. That's true. I will I'm know. Sure. It will be quite. It will be quite conclusive. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, a lot of the stuff that we talk about, like I said at the very start, I want to see. I need to see the workflow or, or or what you're actually doing in Google My Business when we did when I did our first or second. Well, this episode. is um, this is automation day for me because I'm starting. What did what time did we start for me? Seven thirty a.m. Yeah, for yeah. me. 
doing this. And then at 7 p.m. tonight, my time, I'm doing a webinar for Mertz all about automation. Well, there you go. This is the warm-up. It's the warm-up. Yeah. Well, I hope the warm-up was better than the real thing. Yeah, it always is. <laughs> always. That's pressure. Always. You boys oh, are my favourite. Thanks, oh, buddy. Thank you. Well, we really appreciate, um, no, joking aside, your sponsorship of the four episodes. It's been awesome. I've really, really enjoyed them. Yeah. And to be fair for the listeners, we, we've hardly planned these ones. These have been true organic conversations where me and David know nothing about digital marketing. And Rick, it's <laughs> uh, been amazing to share your knowledge. So thanks, buddy. And we will no, do really it. Really enjoy it. Definitely will. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks for having me on again. Much thanks, appreciate it. Thanks, mate. And thanks for being flexible with your time this morning after we cocked it up and got it wrong. <laughs> Always. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care, buddy. See you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. For our latest news, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. If you want to get in touch with myself or David, follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics. Join our IA Patreon platform for invaluable business and injectable education. Get access to our global community of like-minded professionals, live and interactive Zoom sessions, hints and tip videos, webinars, and more. Head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information.